Welcome to the Woot and Why NFL podcast, proudly brought to you by William Hill, where you'll find faster, easier betting on the NFL. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Woot and Why show. My name is Josh Y and I am joined on the line by Josh Woot, hence the Woot and Why show. How are we going, Josh? That's that's where we got our name. It's very factually that's where correct. We got our name. I don't know how many episodes we are in, but we've, we've discovered that why it was actually named the Woot and Why show and not yeah. Bill and Barry's. Bill, Bill and Barry. Uh, no, it, uh, you know, we you know, got some new listeners coming in. It's, it's Super Bowl week. A lot of people amped up for, uh, sorry, Super Bowl fortnight. It, uh, a lot of people amped up for the big game. A lot of newcomers to the sport around this time of the year. So I thought we'd just start, you know, start the show with some real talk, some facts, and, uh, and we'll go from there. But obviously, I mentioned Super Bowl 51. Um, I'm a bit worried that we've mentioned Super Bowl a few times now. Apparently, you can get in trouble for saying the word Super Bowl off the NFL, but we'll wait and see, uh, whether, uh, whether we're touchable or not, by all means, they can summon us to court in in Park Street in in New York City. I'd be happy to oblige for a uh, for a trip to the NFL in uh, in New York. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, we'll just we'll just be like, yeah, we're guilty. Thanks for flying us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we just want to hear our penalty in person. Um, but as I said, <laughs> Super Bowl Fifty One is set. The Atlanta Falcons, or oh, they're the home team, taking on the New England Patriots. So. Some things stay the same and some things change, so we'll wait and see uh, with the results of that in the next couple of weeks. Why, Josh, why are you excited, wait for it, for the Pro Bowl? Sorry, what? That's that's still running? <laughs> yes, that's right. Do you know, that's to be right. honest, I'm actually disappointed that our schedule is very hectic next week, that we're not going to probably be able to do, oh, I mean this week, because we're preparing for the Lunar Bowl, which will, which will resell again in a minute. Uh, but I'm a bit disappointed. We probably won't have time this year to do our anti-Pro Bowl, where we pick the worst players of the teams. I was really excited to see who would win the coin toss to elect Brock Osweiler as their their number one overall pick for the anti-Pro Bowl. Uh, and probably <laughs> probably won't happen this um, this year, unfortunately. But uh, one of our one of our better ideas. But uh, yeah, I'm not do not care in the slightest for the Pro Bowl. They can have as many drones and dodgeballs as they want, but uh, until it's out here on our shores, I don't really care. Yeah, it's, uh, like all all I have heard about the Pro Bowl is that you know, injured players are out; these players are replacing them, but nothing else. Just that's that's all I know. All I know that's is that know. Alex Smith actually got voted ahead of Andrew Luck, and that just means nothing. It just does not make sense to me. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so next week uh, this is our only show this week, but uh, we'll be coming to you next week uh, as we as we prepare for the Super Bowl and prepare for Lunar Bowl. We'll have a couple of preview shows, probably one or two preview shows, and then we'll do our infamous Prop Bets podcast where we talk uh, some of our pr- favorite prop bets and, and betting angles for the game. You know, part of the fun of the Super Bowl is, you know, your halftime uh, prop bets involving Lady Gaga this year, and then we've also got some no-name singing the anthem, so that'll add some mystery, and then, you know, Gatorade, color baths, and, and all sorts of stuff. So 
Uh, we'll have all all that sort of fun uh, for you uh, this week. There's no Australian in any Doritos ad this year, which which sucks. But uh, look, the the matchup oh, on paper, yeah, the matchup on paper looks doesn't look too bad. No, it's uh, well, it's the highest um, over under line that it's been in Eons. forever. Yes, it's ridiculous. That so I mean, it's got correct. It's got all the makings of an absolutely you know blockbuster. Um, Super Bowl, if, you know, it lives up to the hype, it could be, you know, it could end up 33-30. It could be ridiculous. So we'll just have to wait and see. I think, I mean, I, I, I mean, Vegas had to put the line at that. They were constantly getting beaten over. The whole, essentially, all the whole playoffs has been like that. They're, they've always, it's always gone over or something like that. So, I mean, they had to make the line stupidly high. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, you know, I reckon it could go under. Super Bowls are just notoriously tough, so I don't know. We'll, we'll wait and see. Plenty of uh, plenty of X's and O's to, to read through and over and unders and lines and spreads to get through. But before we get to breaking down all of that, how was your holiday break down in Huskisson, uh in the lovely South Coast? I saw a few little happy snaps, a little little cheeky, uh, you know, pickception from you taking a photo of a picture store or a photo store. can't remember what it was. Oh, yeah. That was uh, that was a really really old school cinema. That was really really crazy. So that was. Is it still a cinema, yeah. or is it just like revamped inside? No, no, it's still really old school cinema. All the seats are on the same level. There's no um, incline whatsoever, and like even in front of the screen is like a little stage where like back in the day there would have been like little performances and stuff held there. Uh, I'm like I'm pretty sure they also use the, like the theater as you know for other uses, but I mean it's um, obviously cheap use is uh, movie cinema. But yeah, so did yeah, you, did you watch cool anything? Little, like, yeah, I saw the I saw the founder. You know the McDonald's one? No, I have not. Any good? Yeah, not bad. I watched. Bad, uh, but I watched Manchester by the Sea yesterday. Not bad. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, but I mean, shout out to uh, the Huskisson Pictures, the little cinema there. It was it was cute. It was cute. Plus, right. by the way, a normal ticket ten dollars. Amazing, oh. amazing. That's just, un- that's unheard of here. You just don't get that anymore. You just Mate, that's cheaper than the cheap Tuesday deal you get. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable. Uh, so there we go. Uh, local area man labels small time cinema cute. Let's uh, let's move on to our. Uh, Championship recaps. And should we pay homage to Chris Berman with a little bit of a whoop, whoop? Nope. Nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing. I know. I'm not doing a. Uh, I'm not doing a comprehensive breakdown like that. Uh, it would be a lot easier because these games were blowouts, and that was pretty much the trend for all the playoff games so far, except for one. So let's just hope that the Super Bowl is close, like you said at the top of the show. But let's start with the NFC. That was the first game. And for the first time since 1998, the Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. A dominant 44-21 to beatdown of the Green Bay Packers at the Georgia Dome. What a way to send off the Georgia Dome. And Matt Ryan and co, they left no question which team was the best. It was just, a, as we said, comprehensive and dominant from start to finish from, from the Atlanta Falcons. And this Falcons offense, and that's the main takeaway from this game as we head into the Super Bowl, just so dominant from top to bottom, everywhere you look from this team, it's just... 
unbelievable. It didn't matter what third down it was. It was third and four, third and 24, third and 15. They just seemed to convert from anywhere. Those games were so lopsided. The whole um, Atlanta and the Patriots, they were just both, you know, completely dominant on offense, and the defenses were putrid. They were just they were so bad. It was just... It was the worst thing to happen, really. Like they, these games had so much potential. Like, at the start of the season, I mean, if you uh, all right, scrap that because I thought Atlanta was going to be, you know, picking very high in the draft. So that's yep. really, really well, bad. Yeah, but to, to be honest, though, Josh, you're not the only one. You know, a lot of experts and, uh, well, you know, quote unquote experts and, and anal- uh, analysts, Did uh, you know, said that they thought Atlanta were more likely to be picking in the top 10 than making the Super Bowl. So you weren't the only one to die on that hill, and there's nothing to be ashamed of there. No, but, uh, like, I mean, and a lot of people didn't expect um, Kyle Shanahan's offense to, like, you know, bounce back and be so successful as it is. But it, the whole offense is firing every, like, on all cylinders. It's just, you know, it's exploding. It looks great. Atlanta's defense is still a little bit, sh- like, there's still some question marks there, but the offense can carry it. it. It's it's so weird. We've been saying that like in the last five years, defense wins the Super Bowl, defense wins the championship. But this this year, it just looks like whoever's offense, as stupid as it sounds, whoever scores more is just going to win the Super Bowl. It's just mm. whoever can you know just put up the most points. Saying that, there, I mean. Patriots' defense is going to be way better than what Green Bay is, and um, the Falcons is still going to be better than what the Steelers have. They've got a far better pass rush than whatever the Steelers were generating. So, I mean, mm. it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, and we'll get to that We'll get to that game as well and, and that game plan. But you're right. The, the defense in, in a lot of these games has not been great, and that's why we've got this lopsided result. But this... This, you know, not to take away from the Atlanta offense, they did this against the Denvers and the Seattles of the world. So it's not just that they played a, a putrid defense, but you know, it, it's just been an un, unbelievable run for Matt Ryan these last six games: eighteen to zero touchdown to interception ratio, one hundred and thirty-three passer rating, and they averaged thirty-nine points a game. And his completion percentage is seven, nearly seventy-three percent. It's just. It is pretty crazy now, and he's now got the most consecutive playoff games with three-plus touchdowns, which pretty much eliminates all the, the narratives surrounding his playoff failures, as I put it in, in air quotes here, that no one can see, so I don't know why I'm doing it. But it, it was just dominant, and we've seen it every game now. Eight straight games, they've had an opening score drive for a touchdown, and Kyle Shanahan is just proving to be a wizard, and this game pretty much, you could just add another add another couple of digits to his paycheck in San Fran. If Kyle Shanahan goes to San Fran and, you know, just takes over the offensive play calling and then hires, you know, a sound defensive coordinator, they're, they're set. They're yeah. Set. I think they've got, they've got a, um, you know... Um, they can't snow him under with too much workload that, that'll take him away from, from what he does best. Exactly. They've, they've got a good, solid foundation if they can put him as the offensive play caller and just have... I mean, they've tried. They've gone out and tried to get uh, Vic Fangio back and he's not going back. I think that could have been good. Mm. That could have been... That could have been a nice little uh, duo there, but I don't know. We'll wait and see. They might They might find some other gem out there. Yeah. Can we have a minute silence for Ladarius Gunner? 
It's just <laughs> no. he, he's on the list with uh, Ben Abenique, the, uh, the the other cornerback that was you know, destroyed by Julio Jones this year. Um, the guy's yeah. just. I mean, the guy's Julio, a freak. Julio destroys Julio destroys everyone. But how easy is it to just throw a screen to a guy that that's that is that big and that fast? You don't even need to throw it far. You just just he's a beast. Yeah, and there was a there's a gif and we we retweeted it where. He just he runs about three yards, fakes left and then fakes right, and Ladarius Gunther ends up two zip codes away in the middle of the field, and Julio Jones is just wide open. Uh, it's just he is just unbelievable. He I think he's pretty much cemented himself now as the best wide receiver in the NFL, and it's going to be a crucial matchup, you know, against the Pats. But you know, as we said, we'll we'll preview this game because it's just far too early. Well, at this point. we were saying we were saying. The same exact thing about Antonio Brown last season. The guy just runs the perfect route. The guy runs blistering speed, and he doesn't drop anything. He just catches everything. And now it's one season later, and we're doubting him. And the, the oh. Steelers organization are questioning whether or not he's concerned too much about his own personal statistics than the the team's performance as a whole. Mm. So, I, I find that bizarre. <laughs> We'll get, we will get to that in a minute. But the difference between Julio and Antonio Brown last year was not much. Like we're, we're talking apples and oranges here when we when we move one ahead of the other. They're they're essentially in in the same tier. But moving on to the other side of the ball, Green Bay. I didn't think Aaron Rodgers was that bad. I just felt like his entire team just imploded around him, and and just some crucial errors just cost them some points early on. And when you get behind a couple of touchdowns or double digits against this Falcons team, you're going to play catch-up football, and when your defense is not making any stops, it's just it's just impossible. You're just getting snowed under or, you know, building yourself a, a huge hole. And, you know, Aaron Ripkowski fumbles the ball at the 11 and then results in, you know, a, a uh, no points. And then missed field goal from, from Crosby. It was his first miss in 23 straight, after 23 straight field goals. So... You know, instead of ten nil, it ended up you know being like seventeen nil, and that was that was pretty much it. Yeah, but I know I'm I'm pretty much just looping both Atlanta and New England into the same thing. These are two teams that you just if you go into the if you get to the red zone, you need to make sure those threes are sevens or those zeros are sevens. You Couldn't can't agree. you can't miss. I mean, the field goal, it seems like it's anomaly. It's, well, wow. it's an anomaly because Crosby <laughs> just doesn't miss. But at the end of the day, I mean, I know the fumble happened as well. But see, like, those are things that it shouldn't come down to that. It should just be a touchdown. There's, like, I mean, we're just talking about, like, Rodgers and a Rodgers-led team that's on seven straight wins or whatever they were on and yeah. then just completely capitulated. So it was so weird, but... At the end of the day, both these, you know, what we think are, you know, high-octane offences with Pittsburgh and Green Bay just completely got, you know, stifled, only scored field goals. And, I mean, it just didn't... It just, just didn't execute. wasn't enough. Yeah. Because the other team just converted it and made a, a touchdown. So it was, you know, it was the 17-0 or whatever, and it was just ridiculous. By the way, can I please say, I was away... And I gave my predictions to you, yep. and you said you asked for my predictions, and I said that Atlanta would f Green Bay up, and then Green Bay would come back, but not be enough. <laughs> I reckon I nailed it. 
You did nail it. All you, right. uh, you did very, very well. And uh, I don't know if you listened to the show um, with RJ, but I predicted a Ricardo Allen interception. That happened. And I also uh, predicted that Chris Boswell would miss a kick uh, in Green Bay uh, in New England, and that happened as well. So across the board, we just nailed it. Um, so we did we did Except pretty we well. Never take our own advice and put money on it. No, although I did put money on Chris Boswell to miss a kick, so I am you happy. Did? Yeah, it was paid four bucks. Kickers always miss in New England in the playoffs. It happens all the time. The, the stats actually back it up. They've been helped. No team's been, been helped more by missed field goals in New England. Not that they need it, but it's just funny how things always work. You know, that mantra of make your own luck is kind of funny at times, but, um, you know, the numbers back it up. Football outside it. Scott Kazma done a great job. He backtracked the last decade of missed, missed kicks, and it's, uh, it, it is quite uncanny how that kind of works. Like, no, uh, Fumble luck and field goal luck, but that's just ball security and execution. But the missed field goals on the other side are a little bit crazy. But um, I mentioned this, like this Green Bay offense, the, the uh, fumble. Did you think it was a safety? What was this? Sorry, in the Green Bay game. Yeah, when he uh, Ripkowski fumbled it and Collins recovered it, sort of like right on the goal line. People thought it was a safety. I, I, look, I know people want to say that it was a safety, but even if that is deemed a safety, I find that rule utterly ridiculous because then your team is benefiting from a fumble. It's not like he went back into the end zone and then tried to run back in and then got pushed back into the... Like, I feel like that was the right call. Maybe it should have just been down at the one rather than a touchback, but I don't think in any way, shape, or form that should be ruled a safety. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's kind of similar to when a player, if they fumble it... Reaching for the goal the line, zone, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's so dumb. Yep. It's just it's just another rule that yeah, whatever. Yep. Whatever. Um <laughs> uh, another takeaway from the couple of takeaways from this game before we talk about what's next for Green Bay. Obviously you've got to look at the loser as the you know, the winner we'll we'll analyze over the next few weeks. Uh Jordy Nelson is a really tough bastard. Um that was unbelievable what he was able to put on display and Aaron Rodgers got very emotional after the game talking about Jordy Nelson's toughness. So he's obviously you know, maybe we're underestimating how big of a comeback it actually was because if Aaron Rodgers is tearing up about it, then you know that that it must have been a hell of an effort for Geordie to, to go out and play and, and give his all. He actually had a pretty good game. Yeah, no, a decent game for, you know, everything he's gone through in the last, say, 12 to 18 months as well. It's just it's insane. But I don't, to be honest, like, he's, he's at that point now where you can tell that he's... Um, obviously hindered from still his, you know, last season's injury, and mm. he's getting on in age, and he's, he's, hopefully he can kind of do what Fitzgerald's done, and I mean Fitzgerald's just a complete freak, and he just, you know, he just had the elixir of life, and the guy just will just play aged. forever. It's weird. I know it's crazy. You see photos of him; he looks exactly the same. We'll so add this to the off season. We need to do a rankings of just players that have aged phenomenally well, like a, a power rankings. <laughs> That's fine. We'll probably have minimal to talk about yep. in some of these months. Uh, that's fine. But I think it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Jordy because I think they're going to have to move him inside and they're going to have to, you know... I mean, Draft Randall him. Cobb's gone. Yeah. Randall, Randall Cobb's, you know, dropped off significantly. They've got Devontae Adams. They've got they've found a gem in Ty Montgomery, but they still need help elsewhere. They're... they're the um, injuries showed, you know, 
their weaknesses this season. And I mean, it's a shame because if they had a full complement of weapons and Geordie was healthy, it might have been slightly different. I know Atlanta's playing out of their skin, but, you know, this is... Uh, look what um, they were able to do with a completely depleted team. Imagine what they could have done with a, like a fully healthy squad. So, yeah, exactly. And it's, um, it's funny you say that, um, you know... A lot of people are saying they need to rebuild, but Aaron Rodgers says, no, we need to reload. And I think that's exactly what you just said right there, is that, you know, they're still a very flawed team, but Rodgers covered up a lot of it. But you're right, there are pieces there. They just need to just reload a little bit. If they can move Geordie inside and get an outside presence in the draft or, or sign someone, there's a lot of, you know, wide receivers that are going to be available. But they're not a team that often signs free agents. But we'll wait and see how they go. Obviously, in the in the draft, they needed to fest you know, address this defense and, and Dom Capers. I don't know how he keeps having a job that they've leaked points in the playoffs. Like there's no tomorrow. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of, one of the mysteries of the NFL season. That is 2016, 2017 season. It's just a, it's a bizarre world that we live in. Crazy. And uh, playoffs, obviously the word legacy comes up a lot. I don't think that game changes Aaron Rodgers' legacy at all. Um, there's been some very hot takes, uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, last couple of days, uh, even uh, Colin Cowherd today is saying that Matt Stafford is better than Aaron Rodgers, which is just a load of crap. Um, I'm sure we can go back when and find some line from Cowherd saying that Rodgers is the best quarterback to have ever played the game. Yeah, so I mean, like, they, just because his defense couldn't make a stop, his running back fumbles, that it's a fullback because their running back gets injured and they had to abandon the run. Jared Cook drops, there was five drops, missed field goals. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers stinks. Like, please. All right, saying this, saying this, right. I know everyone's brandishing that stupid stat of 0 and 35 against winning teams or come back, whatever what, yeah, it is. Stupid, but, yeah. but saying that, it's a very interesting statistic. It, it is interesting. It is, but um, what about how many, how many times he's been up? You know, 7 to 10 no, points know. against. I, I know that, yeah. but if it's. It's one of those things that you're like, um, if they're down and you just think, oh, we've got a real chance here, we've got Aaron Rodgers, you look at that stat and think, well, it doesn't mean crap. <laughs> it's just, it is interesting. I mean, like, But he did it last week it, against the Cowboys. Like, he, he came back and put them, in the, put them in the lead, put them in the game. I, I, we've seen it many times. I know. It's just, oh, no. yeah, it is, oh, no. it is weird. I, I get it, and you know, I tweeted during the game that he was hitting the, the Peyton Manning bingo board of playoffs because often it just reminded me of watching Colts games, running back fumbles, defensive lapses, missed field goals. I'm thinking he is just having a Peyton Manning playoff game for the ages, where every single teammate just doesn't do their job and just lets you down, and it was just tough to watch. I felt Rogers' pain, but I don't think that game changes anyone's opinion on him when he's. At his peak, he's probably the best quarterback we've ever watched because he just, when it all connects at once, he's unbelievable. Ever watched, ever watched his high praise. Sorry, well, you know, but when he does just put it all together, there's no nothing beautiful than a, an Aaron Rodgers deep his, pass. He, see, this is the thing, right? I've, I mean, we're getting kind of off topic, but I think that Rodgers is, is one of those players that he has those games where he makes every throw and you just think, God damn. But same, like... Against at um, yeah against Atlanta, he and he didn't he didn't yeah, do he missed, things he that missed you hers. think he didn't play as if you think he's a bad quarterback, but he still had a poor game. Mm, like, yeah. The whole the whole team had a poor game. Yeah. There's no one can hide. No, 
So exactly. All right. Well, let's uh, let's see what they can do and readdress. You know, having Aaron Rodgers on your team just gives you a chance every single year. But obviously, the same problems. Uh, it's very much um, like the Colts. If you're drafting, if you're drafting tomorrow, you're still drafting him. Oh, like absolutely. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Um, all right. time ago. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to the AFC side of things, and the New England Patriots uh, will become the first organization to play nine Super Bowls after Sunday's convincing 36 to 17 victory over the Steelers in the AFC Championship game. As we said, the offense was on fire, but the Patriots are a well-oiled machine from top to bottom. You know, their roster isn't the best in the Bill Belichick era, but it's it is a complete one. You know, he gets the job done. He he gets. Josh. Yes. I want to say I want to ask the listeners for something. All right. You are very, 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 very salty when it comes to this team, and the players and everyone. <laughs> when it just comes to this team, it's just what salt can we find? You're opening <laughs> up. You're opening up every pantry cupboard, <laughs> looking on every shelf for more salt. Can someone please put a photo of Josh White on that salt gift? The guy sprinkling the salt off his elbow. I need that. I need Josh's face with that. You can add any Patriots logo you want in it, whatever. It's not, the, I need that. It's not the team. It's just like 80% of the fans here are just annoying. It's just... No way. No way. The, sometimes people weren't even saying anything, and it was just complete you on oh, Twitter. It's it's fine. You know it's, it is. It's fine. It's It's just... Uh, oh, it's just constant. Like we have to. I don't need to be told every five minutes from some nobody that someone's the goat. I don't care. Just I want to talk about. You the need inter- to learn to ignore. Oh you yeah, I know, I know. But it's just, it's just constant. And because I, the worst thing, the worst thing about all these people is ESPN making us admins that, of that group. By the way, the people <laughs> saying, um. You know, the people that come back and fight those people that say, you know, Tom Brady's the GOAT are exactly the same. They're exactly the same. They're no better. So all the people that say Tom Brady is, you know, the GOAT 40 times a day and their only argument is that he is the GOAT, whether or not that opinion is shared by everyone or just you, saying it a million times and then having someone come back a million times with the same response just doesn't get anyone anywhere, and yeah, they're both correct. as bad as each other. Very true. All right, let's talk about this entire game, because it was a comprehensive victory, as you'll ever see. Um, and the, the Steelers just have no answer for for the Patriots. It was very... It, it reminded me... I keep bringing up the Colts, but it reminded me of when we played the Col- uh, when we played the Patriots, they pretty much Pagano'd it, the, the Steelers. They have not learnt at all from their prior beatdowns they failed to change any of their scheme or game plan. So every time the Colts well, played New England in the playoffs, LeGarrette Blount or Jonas Gray or whatever just ran for 400 yards against us, but Pagano didn't change anything. Every time the Steelers in his zone defense plays Tom Brady, they get carved up like a surgeon with a knife, but they didn't change a thing. How demoralizing must that loss have been for Ben Roethlisberger to be contemplating retirement? Yeah, I... Well, <laughs> Let's let's talk about that quickly. Do you actually believe him? Hell yes. Really? I don't believe him for a second. Contemplating retirement? No way. Definitely. No way. 
I, you don't think he's contemplating it whatsoever? No. Why would someone come out at his age and his... Because he wants know, to take attention away from the loss, and he wants people to say, no, we want you back. He's an attention seeker. He's a quarterback. The, the spotlight's not on him anymore. It's, I know he's this big band, and he's this big, tough, broading guy, but he wants to... He wants a little bit of love and a little bit of caring, and he wants people to yearn for him. There's no way he's not coming back. He gets Matavis Bryant back next year. They've got a stellar offense. This is the guy that just lost essentially his idol, considering he has a signed Tom Brady jersey in his office. Yeah, well, that's fine, but I I just don't believe him for a second. He's Brett Favre-ing all of us right now. We, We put up with this for like 10 years with Brett Favre. There's no way he's retiring. Brett Favre is... You know, just a washed-up jeans salesman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe Big Ben is retiring for a second. Um, but Not that I want him to retire. But God, it would be great for him to retire and just you'd be like, damn. <laughs> just because I'd be so wrong, you just keep replaying I'm this. sick of Le'Veon Bell and Martavius Bryant's crap. I'm just... But look, the sti- think, the sti- think about it though. Think about it. Every year, something like we're so excited about this explosive offense that they have, and this offense can carry this defense. Then Bryant is, you know, deals with that. Then you've got Le'Veon Bell getting injured, dealing, you know, saying he's Steph Curry, and then you've got Ladarius Green, who's you know been struggling all season with you know things that are actually serious, yeah. things that are out of his control, but. Still, oh it's it, it is annoying. It's yet another loss for the playoffs where Le'Veon Bell, you know, pretty much didn't play in. Let's be honest, like he played what like three snaps, and that obviously that affected their entire game plan. But it looked like Bill Belichick went into that game with his mind set on stopping Antonio Brown rather than Le'Veon well, Bell. Le'Veon Bell was poor before he went out. He only had about four or five carries, but I do agree. And he had six carries to twenty yards. Well, when you look at what D'Angelo Williams did when he came back in, that's that's a stark difference. Um, I'd re- it was it was not ideal. I think I think uh, D'Angelo Williams averaged about 1.2 yards per carry after that. So obviously that game plan took a huge shot, and it was it was tough because the, the Steelers made a conscientious effort to make Le'Veon Bell their you know their center of their offense for the last eight weeks and. A part of that was because Big Ben's right, well, not playing the best, and it, it just went to crap after that. Well, this is what I think happened, right? They, obviously, you don't go into a game with essentially backup plans. Hey, what happens if Bell gets injured? You just don't prepare like that. You've got so many aspects of the game to prepare, prepare for. You don't prepare for um, what's going to happen if our you know one of our best players goes out like that's just not how you prepare for the game you assume you have all your weapons and that's how you're going to beat the other team using your best players obviously so then bell goes out and they they didn't have a ground game essentially when he was in there and i mean i know he adds a completely different dimension with his pass catching ability but d'angelo williams went in there patriots didn't like their game plan wasn't really hey we know how to deal with D'Angelo Williams. He came in, was successful. He was the one that scored their first touchdown. And then after that, then it was like it was like the Patriots just caught on, hey, we know when D'Angelo's now going to run. We know when Big Ben's going to throw it. And then that's just how it became, that's just how the game went. They knew that Big Ben was going to have to throw it. They didn't need to. Yep. It's like they. it was just obvious when D'Angelo was going to run it. 
but also those stats are kind of skewed because, I mean, of the whole James Jones stop the line thing. So then yep. he just had that just constantly getting blocked on the line. Of course, it's going to affect your stats. So, yeah. It, I mean, it felt like this game was it felt like this game was over before it even began. Like you know, uh, a great quote from Greg Rosenthal's write up. He said, "There's no advantage greater than being more prepared than your opponent." And I felt like Bill Belichick knew what he was doing the minute you know. I felt like the minute this game plan was put together on Wednesday that the the Patriots were going to win. You know, he's the biggest. Josh, I want to I want to know something, yeah. right? It's quite clear that. McDaniel's calls all the plays on offense, right? Absolutely. He's the guy that, that's him, right? And I mean, him and Tom probably just designed the playbook, and then the view from the sideline obviously helps. And I mean, it's just a perfect collaboration that they've got on offense. Then you've got, hang on, help me out with the defensive coordinator Matt right Patricia. now, Patricia. That's it. He's calling plays on defense. You can tell it. He's just. He's just completely doing that. And I know the game plan and everything comes down to Belichick, but what is he doing on the sideline? Man, I he's... really want to know this. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's not doing anything. The yeah. guy's a legend and yeah. he's a complete freak. But I know he's just always arguing and he's pointing and he's throwing the red flag when he has to. But I want to know what he's actually doing. He, I think he does more on defense than we actually give him credit for. And I think he has a bigger say in the offense during the week than what we think. I the man doesn't sleep. The guy just lives no, and goes football. I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Like, I know he, he obviously he has an input. It's it's just but we it's just... can't see it, and we can't hear what he's saying. So it's just that's really interesting. I think I think he definitely has things to do with, um, so, like, say, say there's a certain defensive scheme that he thinks is going to start working. He'll say, hey, uh, Patricia, let's go in this direction. Yeah, I, think he guides, like, I think he guides both the coordinators. Start calling the play. Yeah, I think he guides both the coordinators. I feel like we don't really... I feel like we'll know a lot more when he retires. Like, he doesn't say a lot in interviews and, and, and things on him, but I feel like once he retires and he's completely out oh, of the NFL... Oh, you mean his four-page autobiography? <laughs> yeah, like, no, but I feel like NFL films, like, he'll actually do a sit-down and just explain so much, and it'll be such captivating stuff. It'll be just phenomenal. Like, it would just... Like, there'd be... You could just pick, like... 25 or 30 games where he's just, you know, exhibited a perfect game plan. Like, in this one, like, he knew their zone defense better than the Steelers players did. Like, they came out were extremely fast. They converted 9 out of 12 third downs early on, and they just they just killed them. And that was, that, you know, and it was a perfect execution by McDaniels and Brady. But that that's come from Bill Belichick's you know preparation. What? It was just the, from you know what? every level of the know. Pats was just amazing on, on Sunday. It was just... Everything. The whole team honestly, did everything. I just don't know. It's... I don't know. See, like, I don't know how much Belichick has to do with the offense, to be honest. Like, every time every time Tom comes off the field, it's him talking to McDaniels. I swear the whole offense just runs through them two. I don't know. I feel like I really, you're underselling I really think, No, I, like, I know that Bill has certain, at, like... He'd definitely have inputs and be like, hey, yeah. we need to go far more run heavy. We need to do this, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. He's a Let's great, like the strategy it's, side of things. It's for Colts. Let's just run it down their throat. Like, I mean, you don't need to be Belichick to know that. But no, yeah, that whole thing, that whole thing is just like, I reckon it's kind of just like a generic thing and he would sit with them. But I really think he definitely has more input on defense than offense. I think it's far more McDaniels yeah. and Tom. He- 
yeah, for offense. He, he's a great strategist, but you got to also, you know, the other side of things is he's just his ability to to build a team, you know. And as I said, it's probably not their best fifty three players that they've ever had on their roster, but it's the right fifty three. You know, he turned Chris Hogan into a stud. He trades Jamie Collins and Chandler Jones. Makes it work with Carl Van Noy, Chris Long, and Eric Rowe. It just turns these Can I just say, rejects no into one, plays. No one but Chris Hogan turns Chris Hogan into a stud. <laughs> All right? How happy were you to I see your boy kill as soon it? As, he was, as soon as he was traded, I said, it is perfect for them. Like, he's just we sh- he's a bigger Edelman. We he's should go back to our Edelman. free agency episode, and I swear you said... He might not have a huge season, but he'll have a good game in January and win them a game. I swear we said Man, that. The, the guy, like, all right, he's not, he's, he's got good acceleration. He's not fast, but he's a good route runner, and that's all you need. He like, leads the just, league in yards it, per catch. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's just, it's great. I mean, it's always, you know, He's exactly where he needs to be. The ball's always where it needs to be for him. And it's just always beautiful. Yep. Um, Just some other points on this game. The the Patriots' defense, um, you know, a a lot of talk about their offense. But the defense, you know, they came up with game-altering plays. They held the Steelers to nine points for the first 50 minutes of this game. They forced turnovers. They were stout against the run, even though they lost Le'Veon Bill. They still contained D'Angelo Williams, as you said, Earlier and their offensive line, they just held up extremely well. All the talk was about the Steelers' offensive line playing really well, but you know Brady was pressured four times in this entire game. And if you look at his numbers with and without pressure, that's the key for the Falcons when you when you look to it. So without pressure, he was thirty of thirty-eight for three hundred and seventy-seven yards, nine point nine yards per attempt, and three touchdowns. With a little bit of pressure, two for four, seven yards, one point eight yards per attempt, and two sacks. So. If you can get pressure on, you know, 39-year-old Tom Brady, that's the only thing that can slow this guy down at this point in this offense because him and McDaniels, as you said, they're just in sync. And every time Brady threw, their wide receiver was just wide open. I don't think he needed to make a tough throw in that game. It looked way too easy for him. He just stood there and was like... It kind of felt like he was just toying with them. My... You know what, though, right? I know we say, um, you know, pressured four times kind of thing. You know when you're watching it and it seems like their offensive line collapses so quickly on the edges, except then the defensive ends are pushed straight past him and he steps up? He's 39 years old and the guy looks like he takes three steps with one step. Like, it's that fast. And it's just like, it's so weird to see. Like, a 39-year-old guy who can't run. Like, the guy is just ridiculously slow. And he's just... Go. I was going to say, just bringing back the old offensive line coach really helped because that, that just makes the pocket so easy. But obviously, as you said, his ability to navigate at 39 is crazy. It just, it's, I don't know, it's just him pointing, just going, you run there, you run there while he's stepping up. It was mm. it was just bizarre. I mean, and he, there was a bit there was a bit where he, he threw it away and it was completely, it was obviously deliberate. But it was that kind of thing that I feel that, young quarterbacks still struggle with. It's just like, no, I've got to make something out of this play. Like, mm. just get rid of it if there's that pressure. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's a good thing. And Matt Ryan's done it this year, too. He's just thrown it away you, when you need to. Are you coming around on Matt Ryan? He's been good, man. Yeah, you... Oh, no, I haven't said that. He... Oh, no. Ah, go. He's the MVP. It, he's the MVP, though, right? He has to. Like, yeah. the, the only, you know what, though? 
I think he's he's played out of his skin, but it's like it gets to a point when you know when I don't know. It's just the favorite, the only the favorite gets the media attention, no matter what happens. Mm. Same as like the Revenant. It was nowhere near the, the uh, you know DiCaprio's best movie, but everyone wanted him to win it. Yeah. It was a good enough movie, so everyone just kept saying the Revenant, and it had won. It's a great analogy. So. You should get a job with The Ringer with that one. No. Um, there you go. <laughs> uh, last little note. Um, you know, I've talked about Belichick. We talked about Brady and McDaniel's. Um, Antonio Brown didn't have a play over twenty yards. Again, just proving that you know Belichick takes away your opponent's best weapons. So we'll see what he can. Uh, conjure up for a uh, Julio Jones special can, in the Super Bowl. Can I mention? Can I mention my favorite play? My favorite play, and I know a lot of other people enjoyed it as well. But there was a Please there was an audible when when Brady said Jordan, 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 and then you know people split out everywhere, and then it was a beautifully thrown scene through the zone straight to Chris Hogan. Yeah. I loved it. It was my favorite. Teams thing. have got to stop playing zone against this. You just can't keep giving Edelman and Hogan like five yard cushions. Like you can't do that. It just doesn't work. It's but so dumb. Look at this. Look at this. Right. Everyone was complaining that you know Le'Veon's out, and like it could have been different. But I mean, this is still like a team that is essentially built around everyone being drawn to Gronk, and then these two quick guys feeding on the scraps essentially. Yeah. So it's a complete. It's weird. The whole the whole offense. Obviously, everyone's thinking this offense was killing it when Gronk was in. But now that Gronk's gone, we expected Bennett to kind of step in and fill that role. But he's kind of just stayed in as a blocker. I think he only had he's three still, or four. Receptions yeah, he still takes a little bit of attention away, but not as much as Gronk. You're right. It, it, it oh, is. But they did struggle last week against Houston, but you know that's the best defense they'll face for a while because obviously Atlanta's not not that good enough, but. You know, even though the Steelers were sloppy and they lost Le'Veon Bell, and look, they did get robbed of a bad fumble call. Brady fumbled that ball, and 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 they did recover it. I I know the footage was tough to see, but I really thought they were hard done by on that call, and they didn't. The Pats didn't. You know what? That 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 was one of those calls where it was just like it won't be overturned. It was like it could it, whatever the decision on the field was, yeah. it was going to go that way. Yeah. I just think I still think I know they were it, rough. It, it, it was rough. You know what, though? That's the thing. That's the thing, right? So say say Tom Brady, like, we don't know what happened in that pile, but say Tom Brady fumbles it, right? Like, you could clearly see it came out, right? But what happens if he fumbles it and then regains it, and while he's on the ground, this ridiculously big lineman pulls it out while he's under the pile? Does yeah. it then become um, the line? Yeah, the exactly. Yeah, you, you see that. I bet you've... I bet you so many fumbles have been resulted that way when it's been just the bigger, stronger <laughs> defensive lineman ripping it out of a small, nimble quarterback's hands. But uh, yeah, I, definitely. I, I, so that, like, yeah. that's kind of that, that situation. Like, I have um, no doubt that you know he did drop it or he did bobble it on that that thing, like in that play. But at the end of the day, it was just like it was such a crazy call. I mean, and you felt like if you're the coach. You need to make the challenge because you can yeah. see it come out, but then it's not going to be overturned. But then, you if you don't challenge out. it, all your fans kill you. So he was he, Tomlin was damned if he, he did, or damned it. if he don't. Yeah, you're right. But I do feel like they're hard done by on that, and the Pats got a touchdown from that and just put the game out of reach. And then there was also a couple of um, defensive pass interference calls, at least three or four of them that they probably should have got as well. And then there I was, that was 
I reckon they were really on, they were on both sides. I reckon there was a, there was a there was a couple on both sides early yeah. that were let go, and then there was so many being let go yeah. by um, both teams. I thought the refs were actually kind of doing a really good job of letting them all go. It was yeah. kind of like, well, if we've been letting them go for so long, that's fine. And then as soon as that hit came in on Edelman's helmet, which essentially, like, he, the, the, Shazier, I think, the one that did it, yeah. he couldn't do anything about it, but it was a penalty. Like, yeah, it was, but they they just whiffed on a few others that just, it, you know, I just uh, would have liked to have seen it because it would have made the game a little bit more entertaining. There was no doubt that Pats were going to win the game, but it at least would have made things a little bit more interesting and at least resulted in a closer game. But, you know, Mike Tomlin didn't help either. He, he punted on inside. He punted from the New England 40, for God's sakes. Like, what are you, what are you no, doing? He, what are you doing? Tomlin's one of those. Tomlin is a, is a motivator, and he can instill this kind of vigor and anger and, you know, in uh, that, that emotion into your team, and you can go out there and have one of those games where defense is killing everyone, offense is firing, and everyone's pumped up, and everyone's just, you know shaking their fist at everyone, super excited. But then when it gets into one of those positions, like against Patriots, it was just nothing. It was yeah. just like, damn it, I thought I was going to have Bell. I could have done a few screens, but like, whatever. Saying that, saying that, the missed kick by Boswell, the the fumble by Brady, all of this was still irrelevant because the Pats were, the Pats were killing it. Yeah, exactly. They, anyway. they would have won anyway, but I just thought it would have made things a little bit more interesting, a little bit more fun. But, you know, Tomlin punting from the 40 is just, you know, I feel like other coaches just the bed because they're playing against Belichick. They they get scared about facing him, and they just do stuff that they probably shouldn't do. I don't I don't understand it, but, you know, they probably, yeah, they so probably would have won. That's happening. Yeah. That, that kind of thing is happening, and then you've got a 39-year-old quarterback doing flea flickers. Yeah, unbelievable. But I feel like, the Steelers probably would have won this game if they didn't have to get woken up by an alarm at like 3:40 in the morning. That that oh just changed God. the whole game, didn't it? I'm I'm totally I'm totally joking. I feel like everyone's ignoring. Yeah. It was a good ploy by Belichick to to ring the alarm because what it did was is it took the attention away from him actually in you know giving the Steelers 15 15 Steelers players the flu. He's gone into their locker room infected 15 of their players with the flu and thought, I'll distract all of that attention away by putting the alarm. It's just genius chemical warfare from Bill Belichick. Man, it's amazing. It's amazing. How's the that for a conspiracy? Seattle, like, <laughs> didn't, thing happen, didn't that happen to Seattle last year? It's happened to so many teams. Chris Harris Jr. tweeted it. Um, David Brunton from the Redskins tweeted it. Um, Alan, uh, Alan Fenecker from the Steelers Former Steelers player said he's never played in a game in New England where it did not happen. He says it happens every single time they've been up there. Um, Boston fans are nuts. <laughs> you know what, though? It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. It's just, it's kind of cool. Like, I mean, people can hate Boston fans, and they're just seen as a lunatic bunch of sports nuts. Yeah. That man, I don't know. But that's like to me, if that was happening, I'd still, if that happened in Australia, and say it was, I don't know, all the Newcastle teams. <laughs> All the Newcastle teams, I just feel like, man, good on you, all right? You just come it, into our territory. It is funny, but it's like you've got the greatest coach, greatest coach and quarterback combo ever, and you don't really need to be doing this. Like your, your team's going to win most of their games anyway. But it is, it is kind of a little bit funny. But I don't want to be woken up at at three forty in the morning. But anyway, um, it it, it created a little bit of controversy and a whole lot of hot takes and things like that. So it always makes Twitter fun. All right, before we let you go, because I know you got to head off. Um, happy Australia Day, by the way. We've we've ticked over into Australia Day. Um, you, 
What type, what type of meat pie man are you? You just plain or you like a bit of steak, mushroom? What do we got? Um, well, we mentioned lasagna pie. Oh that is um, quite clearly amazing. Um, actually, you know what? I might go celebrate Australia Day tomorrow. If that little cafe that I know is open, I will go have a lasagna pie. Can you pick me up one? Um, <laughs> no worries. Um, I like... I'm a, I'm a traditional man. I like that. I, it's, it's weird. While I was away, I had a... I had a steak and cheese and bacon. I had, you know, mm. I shake it up a little bit. I don't, I don't like any other meat besides, you know, whatever their, you know, quote unquote beef is. Yeah. I still, it's not all, it's not all beef. No, I don't know what whatever. it is. Whatever. It, it's some sort of meat based. Squirrel, kangaroo, possum, whatever. A possum pie, we that, love it. Beautiful, that <laughs> stuff. But, you know, the one thing that annoys me most about pies in general? Spillage out the back on your hands. That is pretty crap. Um, by the way, on this topic, shout out to our mate Robin, who is the slowest pie eater in the entire world. We've still got footage of him, like, just nibbling it. Super I remember, hot. I remember, I remember in high school, like, we'd have like a 40 minute lunch, and he'd get his pie, and he'd only just finish it before the alarm would go off. Like, yeah, like and every single minutes. bite, every single bite he made, it looked like he was about to bite half the pie. And then would just scrape out one little piece of meat between his teeth. Oh, um, unbelievable! <laughs> no, but the most annoying thing, especially when buying a meat pie from the the football or you know a public area like a canteen at a soccer field or whatever, when you get your pie and they give it to you in that little that little paper yep. sleeve, if you like, yep. they you put your sauce on it, right? This is the sauce that comes in, say, the Master Foods or the Fountain yep. Squeezy Tube. And then they just proceed to jam it in the middle of it and then fill up, essentially, the inside with sauce. And then the nozzle is completely covered oh, in sauce. Disgusting. And then they put it down. And then that is the, the single oh. most worst thing. That's you just failing pie etiquette. Yep. And it's just... It kills me. It kills me, Josh, and it's the worst thing ever. And then the next time, if no one uses that sauce bottle for a good fifteen minutes, then it solidifies on top, Ugh. and you have to be the dude that picks off the dry Ugh. sauce. You understand my pain oh, right now. Disgusting. You've experienced it. Everyone it's disgusting. has. It's disgusting. Uh, American listeners have got no idea what we're talking about. Uh, but anyway, I, I get it. I and uh, you know, like, what is tomato sauce? It's ketchup. Yeah, catch up. Catch up. All right, some initial thoughts on Super Bowl 51 before we let you go. Uh, so we haven't done any research or reading yet. Obviously, we'll get to that early next week. As we're... What are you talking about? Um, I've been studying it all week. <laughs> Patriots are three-point favorites. By the way, Madden foretold that the Falcons would win the Super Bowl in their, uh, in their simulations before the playoffs started, which is kind of amazing. But uh, there's a piece this week from Chris Wessling that pretty much says that Matt Ryan's season this year is... Very much like 2007 Tom Brady. So we've got a 2007 Tom Brady against a 39-year-old Tom Brady. Only one has Bill Belichick as their coach, though, so you've got to bear that in mind. Um, some other things here. Kyle Shanahan's faced Bill Belichick twice in his career as an offensive coordinator. He scored 34 points against them with Matt Sharp in 2009 and 27 points with Rex Grossman in 2011. Isn't that amazing? Do you want me to poke, you want me to, you want me to poke holes in those stats? 
or are we all ready to move on? No, I can. No, I'm waiting to. I, I can imagine you saying, "Oh, but the, the defense wasn't as good then, or it was a meaningless match." But that's two below-average quarterbacks. He's now got the best possible quarterback in his system in his scheme. Maybe. Is that what you're going to say? It's still well, kind I of was amazing. Say, it was their worst defense. One of them was like their worst defense. It was essentially, you know, it was what was it? Ranked thirtieth in DVOA. The one that the yeah in in nine in two thousand and eleven no the the oh nine the oh nine one but they'd only allowed thirty points to the Saints and the Colts who'd made the Super Bowl all the rest no other team scored more than thirty except for Matt Sharp with Kyle Shanahan it's pretty amazing and then the other one was wait that was a week seventeen game right and then they had to buy the week after yeah they pretty much rested players but still it's it's Rex it's Rex Grossman but still it's kind of amazing but. I feel like much will be made about Brady v. Ryan, but it'll, it'll likely come down to whether or not Belichick can stop this Falcons defense. That, that's the matchup that I'm looking forward to. Offense. Sorry, yeah, Falcons offense. Bill Belichick versus Falcons offense is the matchup that I'm really, really excited about. I feel like Patriots always, you know, allow some games to the um, the running back, but if they can, you know, shut. It's it's different. It's definitely different because um, Patrick Chung, who is a really weird player, he's a really weird overlooked player. It's always in his Devin McCourty is the safety of you know the terrific safety on the yep. New England Patriots. But everyone overlooks Chung, and Chung is like this hard hitting, always knows where to be in this system, and mixed with Devin McCourty, these are players that you know are far better at um, and far better adapt adept. Yep. Um, to hitting Julio and not just being pushed off like you saw against Green Bay. You see Julio just pushing them off. It's not going to be like that. No. Chung will just dive at his knees. It's not going to be a thing like that. Patriots defense knows how to tackle. So if they can, you know, if they throw a Malcolm Butler or Logan Ryan, who they both played well, they both played still very well against the Steelers. If they, you know, double team with a safety against Julio, I mean, I know Julio is still a beast, but if they can somehow shut him down, the game could the game could be a real grind. Like mm. it could be, it, it could end up really weird, especially because you know that the Atlanta Falcons um, pass rush is way better than um, what the Steelers had. So it's going to be, it, mate. It could be, it could be a real grind, and no one's expecting it. So well, yeah, I can't wait. I, to be honest, I just can't wait. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. I'm also going to look forward to Martellus Bennett uh, during media day. Bennett brothers always provide some sort of entertainment, so that's something to look forward to. There's not too many Falcons with a huge amount of personality, but I feel like one of these rookies like Keanu Neal or Dion Jones could provide some entertainment for us. Apparently someone called Luke Bryan is singing the National Anthem. I've never heard of that guy in my life. Um, Wait. Yeah. Maybe he'll be in... I reckon he'll be the star performer of the Super Bowl next year. I want the sax player as the Super Bowl from the Falcons game. That guy is amazing. Who who sung who sung the national anthem last season? Lady Gaga. Natural progression. Oh you my heard God. it here. Luke right? Bryan. Yeah. Boom. Super Bowl fifty two halftime performance. By the way, before there we let you go. go, the puppy bowl is on the day before. Are you on Team Rough or Team Fluff? Um mm, what's the difference? <laughs> uh literally two letters. 
I'll go fluff because it sounds funny. All right, well, I'm on Team Rough, so that worked out well. We'll have a little side wager and uh, we'll add it to the burger bet board and uh, we'll see what we, see what we can come sorry, up with. Sorry, 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 sorry. We're not adding that to the burger bet board just because you want to win some back. To be honest, the only thing I want to happen from the Super Bowl is a last-minute 99-yard touchdown from Chris Hogan to win. That would be... <laughs> either way, like a 99-yard touchdown from either side in the final seconds is a dream scenario given the blowouts we've had this season. I know. Uh, to be honest, it's going to be close. It's going to be close. You can I hope so. Because the, the like, all right, let's take it. Let's look at it two different ways. The Patriots have been there before. The, obviously, they've been there a thousand times, and you know they're they're the best ever football dynasty. Will you, you agree? They're just like, they're the, yeah. the best dynasty the like, NFL's ever seen. In the in the last, like, in the Super Bowl era, definitely. I, I feel like we can't really go too far back when, when we saw teams win a lot in a row, like different championships when the when it was like the AFC and then there was the, you know, all the different ones. But yeah, definitely in the past, like, 30 or 40 years, absolutely. Yeah, and, and so it's like, you could easily see them coming out and, I mean, the... the the Atlanta Falcons, their offense is great, but you can easily see them possibly being stifled, Patriots getting up early, but then you can always see Atlanta coming back into it because they've just got that offense. That, that They're just bound to score eventually. Like They're not going to just all of a sudden drop off the planet. They've versed some good defenses and still put up some points, so you know they're going to be able to put points up against the Patriots, whose defense isn't as good as some of them have played, despite you know there's going to be... A, very well executed game plan still for the like, the defensive side of the Patriots, and then you've got the other the other hand. No matter how well this Atlanta Falcons offense plays, no matter how on fire say Freeman or Julio Jones gets, Patriots will always be in it. Like they'll just never be out of it. And like, even two touchdowns down, you'll just be like, of course, it's still Belichick and Brady and McDaniel's and Patricia. They're still gonna. Yep. Find a way to keep them in it. So what I do like is both I can't both teams. No, and both teams literally have no fear because the Falcons are the underdogs. No one thought they were going to be here. You know, just making the Super Bowl is an accomplishment. So it doesn't really matter what happens because it's it's still just an amazing story and an amazing season for Matt Ryan, and he's proven that he is you know a top tier quarterback at least moving forward if he can keep up that play. But and the same with the Patriots, they've already proved everything. They've achieved everything the world can achieve. If they lose this game, no one's going to bat an eyelid or change their opinion on this team or what, whatever it is. So both teams can literally go in with no fear because the result's not going to change what people think about them. Whereas, you know, when there's, sometimes there's a lot of pressure on, you know, when the Broncos played the Seahawks, it was this amazing offense and it was a lot of pressure on, you know, can, can this Broncos offense finish the job and all that sort of stuff. I feel like there's no real pressure on either of these teams because it, they're both, you know, I don't know. It just feels like they can both go in with no fear and just play like they've got no fear at all, no conservative play whatsoever. I agree. Yep. I wholeheartedly agree. Before we let you go, I've got to ask you about Hottest 100 because it's Australia Day. Oh, I just went and saw this basement concert, and there were only four people there, but <laughs> they're starting to blow up now, so I'm really over it. What's your? Yeah, pre- I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel that it's always no one wants to vote for the favourite because they assume it's going to be the favourite now. Mm. And now it kind of gets skewed. By the way, that adore song, please, please you know get out of here. You like know that's, that, you know that that's going to win. You know that's going to win. If that wins, I'll be so, I'll be salty. Like that, that <laughs> song. 
All right, so uh, listeners, more than off while the person that. the person that puts my face on the salt shaker for the gif, if a door wins Triple J World Hottest 100, can you please put Wood's face on uh, on the salt shaker? Oh. We can be a matching pair. Oh, I, Would that be the worst one Flume, since um, Flume will Macklemore. win. Flume will win. Flume will win. Um, I I reckon Jungle is. I like Jungle. I reckon Jungle should win. Saying that, I'm a huge Flume fan. So Red I mean, I'm Red happy with either of them. No, and yeah, that would those would be my top three songs. So you're right. I don't mind. I really want to see you know Kanye sneak into the ten. A little bit of ultralight beam. You know, just just get it in there. I mean, could go either way. What about my, the, uh, my DMA's cover? My top ten. Shirt. My top ten has those three songs that we mentioned in it, and then probably no other song you know. Okay, cool. Besides maybe a Kanye. What about uh, the DMA's like a version of Believe? Of sure. Salt. Uh, I mean, like that's where I kind of just feel like the uh, the hottest one hundred goes to hipster. It's very narcissistic like too. The just... Triple J will vote their own song. Their own. No, no, no. I'm not narcissistic. I'm not narcissistic whatsoever. No, not not you. I'm saying Triple J is. Yeah, uh, like, this is the thing where I feel like um, I have no problem with them kind of kicking out the mainstream, the mainstream songs, like the really, really mainstream poppy stuff. Like that's just not their style. That's fine. I'm I'm completely fine with that. But when it comes to um, like like versions and stuff like that, I just feel. It's just, it's just crap. I just feel like people are going, oh yeah, I listen to Triple J. Like it's like them fitting in, and that, That's oh yeah, I'm one of those people that listens to the Hottest 100 all the time. Mm. And yeah, like no matter what, I listen, like I listen to Triple J. That's like the only station I'll listen to if I listen to anything. Like I listen to podcasts, I listen to Spotify, and if I have to listen to the radio, I listen to Triple J. Mm. And I've never, I've never once voted for. Uh, cover on like a like a version, even though I've loved heaps of them. I've just yeah. I won't do it because it's just. Well, I voted for them because they dressed like they lived in Macquarie Fields, and I appreciate the the ability to pull that off. God damn! What about what about uh, Bliss and Esso? <laughs> we interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Edited for offensive comments. Jesus. Too soon, man. Uh, Too soon. Mate, all right. Cut that. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. Um, all right, man. Well, um, so much for you uh, only being available for 45 minutes. You rambled on about uh, Tom Brady and uh, Meat Pies and Triple J for about 45 minutes, and then we covered the rest in between. So uh, I'll That's let fine. you go. I'll uh, finish the show, and uh, we'll... Uh, We'll meet up next week for Lunar Bowl meetings and some podcasts, and then uh, we're going to kick things off uh, on uh, our first ever Lunar Bowl appearance. Uh, Lunar Bowl! In two Buy weeks. your tickets. Yep. By All the right. way, Pagano, eh? Pagano lives on. You can uh, rub it in when we uh, podcast next. Guys, make that salty gif. You can throw Pagano in it if you like. Just put all the things that Y hates, all of them. Just put a thousand Tom Brady heads and then... Then just put Ursa and Grigson. I mean, Ursa and Grigson. Ursa and Pagano. Just sprinkle them in. Well, uh, we'll we'll be back next week together. All right, love you all. If we don't, uh, yeah, if we don't uh, break things off, because I feel like you're trying to really get under my skin today. Nailed it. <laughs> Marking of a true podcast. All right, peace out, man. Cheers.
Yeah. All right, as Woot mentioned on his out there, the Colts have fired general manager Ryan Grigson. Grigson's status had been up in the air since the end of the season. The Colts are finally moving on after years of draft and free agency whiffs. Grigson's clashes with with coach Chuck Pagano uh, had also become a distraction over the last two seasons, so much so that they actually got a uh, psychologist in to try and repair the relationship. Just imagine that, and marriage counselling of Pagano and... Ryan Grigson together. Uh, President of Football Operations Jimmy Ray is a candidate to replace Grigson if they stay in-house. But they're also bringing in Chris Ballard from the Chiefs, Elliot Wolf from the Packers, George Patton from the Vikings, and Trent Kirchner and Scott Fitterer from the Seahawks uh, for interviews for the GM job. All of those, I think, would be better selections than Jimmy Ray. Uh, I'd like to see a full clean-out of that front office. I would love to see Chris Ballard from the Chiefs come to the Colts. Bring Dave Tube, the special teams coach of the Chiefs, as the head coach for the Colts and just have a fresh new image from there. I wouldn't mind one of the Seahawks guys either because they uh, they go heavy into the analytics in their draft and they've proven that with a lot of hits over late-round picks. Thomas Rawls, Frank Clark, you know, players like that that they've hit in the in the later rounds and have really worked out for them. Uh, CJ Prosas as well. So they've done a hell of a job there. Um, Ryan Grigson, I'm glad to see you go, but I do want to see Chuck Pagano go as well. I think they need a full clean out there and a revamp because they're wasting Andrew Luck's talent. So we'll wait and see what that happens. I think bringing in a new GM is going to be tough if, if the Colts want to keep Chuck Pagano. So we'll wait and see how that pans out. Something definitely to monitor over the next few days, and we'll talk about that when Josh and I podcast early next week because we can't talk about the Super Bowl the entire show or you guys will get bored. Uh, last little bit of news, speaking at the Senior Bowl, Redskins coach Jay Gruden said he fully expects impending free agent Kirk Cousins to re-sign with Washington. We fully anticipate Kirk coming back, Gruden said. So all point, you know, all signs pointing to Kirk Cousins returning to uh, Washington D.C. If they don't, you got to keep an eye on Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers, scoping him out. Shanahan loves Kirk Cousins, so that's something to keep an eye on. Now it's time for our mailbag. Goodbye. All right, so mailbag questions to wrap up the show. I'll answer these as quick as possible as the show went longer than we expected. Um, this is from Tim Cummins at TimC0212. Is Joe Flacco elite? Uh, no. Uh, moving on, Rich E, Rich Eddie from ni- uh, 1973 asked, should will the Falcons give Freeney another year and who are the options to replace Kyle Shanahan as offensive coordinator? So it's interesting. I don't think they'll bring Freeney back for another year. If, if they definitely, if they win the, uh, if they win the Super Bowl, I think Freeney will retire. But it'd be interesting to see if they do bring him back. He will be getting another year older, and they depends what they do in the draft and free agency. So it would, given the situation, that would depend. Uh, in re- in regards to Shanahan as offensive coordinator, there's been some murmurs about Chip Kelly possibly coming in, which I think would be just a horrible no-no. Um, I just think that's a bad decision. I think the natural progression is just to either give the offensive line coach Chris Morgan or Matt LaFleur, their quarterbacks coach who have both worked under Kyle Shanahan now in this system for a couple of seasons, uh, the reins, and let sort of LaFleur and Matt Ryan take charge of this offense. I feel like 
Ryan's now smart enough and mature enough to really co-author that um, offense with Lafer um, and, and keep a lot of Carl Shanahan's uh, playbook and, and play calling and, and situations and, and all sorts of knowledge with him. So that's the, that's the route I would go. Uh, Murray Connellan, who makes the Hall of Fame first, Eli, Big Ben, or Rivers? I feel like it's whoever will retire first. I feel like all three will probably make the Hall of Fame. Funnily enough, I feel like Big Ben and Rivers probably have a better chance than Eli, despite Eli's rings. Um, although the Hall of Fame will probably disagree. I, I feel like probably Eli, because I feel like he's on his last legs rather than Big Ben and Rivers, although Big Ben did talk retirement today. But I think I think Rivers will take a little while to get in, but I feel like Rivers will eventually get in. I feel like his season, his career stacks up really well against a lot of quality quarterbacks. And the last question from Matthew Heasley at Matthew Heasley. He said it might be too early, but is there another plausible MVP if the Pats win other than Tom Brady? And look, I'd probably say no, um, given that he is the $1.83 favorite with William Hill. But I feel like if there's just no value in that. $1.83 for an MVP is just not good value. It's just not, not worth betting. So if you feel like the, the, the Pats will win, and we'll, we'll get to this, and you're right, it is a little bit early, but I feel like the value might be in one of their cornerbacks uh, or Trey, Trey Flowers, who could sneakily get a few snack, uh, sacks. He might get a few snacks as well, but he'll also gra- grab a few sacks. But I feel like uh, Malcolm Butler or Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan's about $81. If he can contain Julio, maybe get a pick six or, or force a fumble or something, that could be some value for you at the MVP. But we'll get into that, as I said. Uh, throughout next week, we'll do a couple of preview shows, a prop bets pod where we talk about some betting markets and whatnot, and just to make the game even more fun. And uh, that wraps up our mailbag for today, and that wraps up the show. Um, please, as we said, Lunar Bowl. Just uh, type in Lunar Bowl, Lunar Park. First result is www.lunarparkvenues.com slash Lunar Bowl. You can buy tickets there. Follow all the follow all the uh, prompts. You can also even buy tickets from www.whatsonsydney.com in the sports section, Lunar Bowl is mentioned in there. So plenty of options for you to buy tickets. Optus Perks as well. So please check that out. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at JYNFL. You can follow Woot on Twitter at Woot Etc. And the show at Woot and Y. And please give us a like on Facebook, The Woot and Y Show. And uh, we can't wait to preview Super Bowl 51 next week.